Hello and welcome to the Dorm Room Dispute Podcast. I am Mitchell Kaminsky, and joining me, as always, is Marshall Macaluso. How are you doing, Marshall? Uh, I'm good, I'm good. The countdown is still on towards uh, August 15th when we're going back to school. And we got live sports. Live American sports for the time being. So I'm, I, life is good. Life yes. Is good. I was at my miserable deli job slicing salami for a bunch of ingrates who most of whom don't know how to wear a mask properly. It's hanging down with their nose exposed, which really bothers me. They're almost worse than the people that don't wear a mask at all. But um, but I was counting down because I knew after work on Friday that we would have live baseball for the first time. I was so pumped for opening day. I had my White Sox hat on. They're like, hey, you can't wear that. That's Mari- not Mariano's company apparel. And I said, I don't care. I'm wearing it anyway. So... Uh, yeah, it was nice to come home, and it felt somewhat like a normal uh, July evening where you're watching baseball. So that was kind of cool. Um, unfortunately, there might be some problems with the season uh, that came yeah. out today. We will get to that in just a bit, but we're going to start with the uh, big news of the week. Jamal Adams of the uh, New York Jets. Well, I guess he was with the New York Jets. Uh, safety, he has been traded to the Seattle Seahawks. And a huge deal, which the Jets received uh, multiple first-round picks, and I believe it was McDonough. Bradley McDougal. Bradley McDougal, the safety uh, from the Seahawks in exchange. And the Seahawks, I believe, also got a fourth-round pick out of it. But the Jets got a pretty good haul. uh, And the Seahawks, in return, they got an excellent player, one of the best safeties in the game. Uh, We'll start with you, Marshall. What, what um, uh, What were your initial thoughts from this trade? So I kind of three things. First of all, uh, I'm more happy because I do not like the Dallas Cowboys. And they were trying to get their guy for a while now, Jamal Adams. He's going to the Seahawks. Um, the first thing is the Jets won this trade. My goodness. Two first-rounders. And Bradley McDougal is a very capable safety. You put him in a good system. You know, he's not Jamal Adams. He's not like a star by any means. You put him in a capable system, and he can be a big piece to a very good secondary, um, which was interesting to me. Why this? I guess the Seahawks think very highly of Jamal Adams because Bradley McDougal was doing pretty good with their secondary. But I guess they just wanted to compete now and wanted that uh, upgrade of Jamal Adams. Uh, second of all, it was interesting seeing the Le'Veon Bell. Uh, whole Twitter kind of beef with Jamal Adams, where Le'Veon Bell was recruited by Jamal Adams, and as soon as he gets there, he is, Jamal Adams said, bye-bye, I am demanding a trade. And the third thing that really stood out to me is Adam Gase. I know he was the offensive coordinator for the Broncos back when we had really good offenses, and I always thought pretty highly of Adam Gase. I know he was with the Bears, too, for a time. And so when he went to the Jets, I honestly thought... Um, he went to the Dolphins and then the Jets, I believe. And I honestly thought he was going to be a pretty good coach. And hearing Jamal Adams talk about this guy, I'm like, oh, my word. Yeah, you couldn't find a worse head coach. Now, if you believe Jamal Adams, who was trying desperately to get out of the Jets. But, yeah, talking about how he had no personal relations with anyone. He never talked to anyone. Whenever they, there was some team meeting, it would always be some assistant coach and never gay. So, yeah, a lot to unpack here. But, overall, I think... The Jets won the trade, but they're the Jets, so they'll probably pick really terrible draft picks with their first rounders. So, yeah. The haul, my initial reaction was the haul that the Jets got was arguably greater than what the Bears got for Khalil Mack. 
And in the Khalil Mack trade, I know it sounds a little biased because I'm a Bears fan, but I think the Bears, you know, you and the player you got with Khalil Mack is a generational type player, arguably the best pass rusher in football. So it was worth the deal. Now you hear with the Jets, uh, the Seahawks are trading for a guy who's arguably one of the best safeties in the game. Uh, he can do it all. He, the Jets drafted him because he was a franchise-altering player. And quite frankly, the Jets really didn't want to trade him. Uh, the, their general manager came out earlier this year say, talking about how, hey, you know, I, I want to make Jamal Adams a Jet for life. Obviously, Jamal Adams uh, went lashing out, uh, and it didn't happen. He wanted the contract extension. But um, the difference here between the two, if I had was making a football team, you kind of have your Maslow hierarchy of needs. So if you're doing the football version of the hierarchy of needs, you go, number one, it's a quarterback. That's the first thing any good football team needs. Second, it's someone to uh, rush the quarterback, the other guy's quarterback. You need a pass rusher to get the other team's quarterback. And then third, you need someone to protect. You need an offensive line to protect your quarterback. That's like the big three things that your football team needs. And the rest of it's just kind of fluff. So with the Bears traded for Khalil Mack, you're getting a pass rusher. Every team needs a good pass rusher. That's a good investment. He's chasing down Aaron Rodgers. Great. Now, with the Seahawks, on the other hand, you're getting a safety. And, you know, as great as Jamal Adams is, I don't know if he's going to be the type of player that's going to be changing, turning your defense around. And if you want to really be throwing away all those draft picks, when you have Russell Wilson, a quarterback that really has no help on his, no help on the offensive line, doesn't have a whole lot of weapons, you're throwing away a whole lot of valuable resources for a guy, you know, he may or may not, he's going to help your defense out a little bit, but how much is he really changing games? Um, you know, he... You look at the top safeties from pro football focus, and, you know, none of them you look at, I'll go some of them they had ahead of the 2019 season. There's Devin McCourty for the New England Patriots. Well, they got bounced in the first round. Eric Weddle for the Los Angeles Rams. Didn't make the playoffs. Jamal Adams, New York Jets. Didn't make the playoffs. Eddie Jackson, Chicago Bears. Didn't make the playoffs. Uh, then you got Derwin James, Los Angeles Chargers. Didn't make the playoffs. The other two guys they have in here, they have Kevin Byard for the Titans, they made the they, they obviously did pretty well and Harrison Smith for the Vikings they were okay too so I mean you know, the majority of those teams were not making the playoffs so if you're the Seahawks that's kind of a move you make to put your team over the top and I don't know if they have a Super Bowl winning team as of right now I'd be looking to put some more peace around Russell Wilson who you're gonna have a lot longer and now you're gonna have to probably commit to paying Jamal Adams a ton of money if you want him to stay there but so. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Maybe because he had two years left on his deal and he can franchise tag on the Seahawks, can make it work. And it all depends how the Jets draft. We could be looking back uh, three years from now, and if the Jets didn't pick anyone that was particularly good with their picks and they you know, if they do what the Jets have historically done, then, yeah, we'll say Seattle won the trade. They got the best player. But I am with you. I think they gave up a lot for a position that's kind of like the icing on the cake of a defense where he's not like you're not building a defense around a safety in my mind despite the fact that he is an excellent player not taking anything away from him but I, I think it's kind of you know they gave up a lot there and plus the yeah. the Jets didn't have a whole lot of leverage because they wanted to keep him and Jamal Adams clearly yeah, did not gonna, want to be yeah. there he was pulling a George Costanza he's throwing the coach under the bus he's tra trashing his the owner um 
all he needed to do was start wearing uh, Joe Namath's pants all over the facility and then dragging the Super Bowl trophies around in the parking lot. I mean, you know, he clearly <laughs> wanted out of there. So, And even when he did, he saw how happy he was lighting the cigar on his Instagram Live post. So, um, yeah. no, they I, had no I leverage. I totally agree. I mean, there was that video, like, or, like a couple months ago, um, where he's like in his car and some fan was like, come to the Cowboys. He goes, I'm trying. You're totally right. This dude was not going to play in New York at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wanted out so bad. And I know I totally agree. I mean, the Broncos were one of the best safeties in football, Justin Simmons. Yep. And, you know, and it's awesome. Having a great safety is absolutely massive. But, and I, and I, I want, I wanted to pay, but like, like you said, it's kind of icing on the cake. And that's where, like, I'd rather have. Obviously, you need good secondary players. That has been the demise of so many teams in this passing league. You need good secondary players. Um, but like I said, like, like I would just take, you know, a good defensive coordinator and a good scheme where you can put your players in the position to win. Um, and that's a Brandon McDougal-type player. He was very adequate for the Seahawks. Yep. He had a, a decent amount of interceptions. And overall, their defense was at an ability that can get them to the playoffs already. Like you said, it's icing on the kink. I, I am not against them giving up, like, a first and a third or something like that. You know, I'm totally, I, I think it's the correct move to trade for Jamal Adams. I just think they gave up too much. The other um, thing, too, for the Jets that they're going to save about $47 million in cap space for the one year of McDougal and the 12 combined years of the draft to selections versus six years of Adams and the four years of a fourth-round pick. So uh, the general manager, uh, you know, I, I think believe his name's Douglas is his last name, but he had to do the, tra- he had to do the trade for the long-term health of the franchise. Now, the other interesting part of this was – Le'Veon Bell was kind of clapping back at him, saying, like, yo, you lied to me. You helped recruit me here to New York, and now you're just abandoning me. You want out, which I think, you know, does he have a reason to be upset? Maybe, but Le'Veon Bell isn't really the poster child for giving up on his teammates because he held out a year the Steelers had an excellent team and they probably could, they you know, they had a team capable of making a Super Bowl run. He wanted to hold out and get his money and that's how he ended up in New York. So I don't know if he's really the right person to be saying, hey, you quit on our teammates for money in the betterment of your situation. Uh, what are your thoughts on Le'Veon Bell? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I'll look to that a little bit. And um, honestly, like, you know, if I was in the market for a new team, and I had, uh, you know, some, I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, um, imagine you're going, uh, when Rush is, fraternity Rush is on the line. Dude, if I'm walking through Rush as a freshman, and this guy says, oh my goodness, come join this fraternity, it's the best, you know, we got it all going on, we got all the greatest things, you join, and then he's like, yeah, I'm dropping. What? Excuse me? Come on, man. And especially if, if, if he if he's correct that if, if Jamal Adams says it's true about Adam Gates being this like horrible coach and they have a bad culture over at New York Jets, like I'm like really man, but yeah, no, that I mean that's just tough and yeah, that's that's I, I would I'd be pretty mad. I'm not gonna lie. I think that'd be a little that's kind of sneaky right there. I mean I guess you could think he, he thought Le'Veon Bell was gonna make their team all that, but I don't know. That's, that would be very frustrating as a player. I think Jamal Adams probably intended before the year to stay with the Jets, 
but I think the losing just became too much for them. Uh, I I heard in a report that they, they they were at halftime in a loss to the Jaguars, and he was basically in the locker room like screaming at everyone because he was like ticked off. He was a very alpha personality. I think it was too much losing for him. He couldn't take it anymore. He's like, hey, I'm not staying here to rebuild. They're not paying me. I don't like the culture. And that's kind of what jettisoned him. So, yeah, I can see where Le'Veon Bell would be upset. And I don't think Jamal Adams was trying to like, hey, you know, gotcha. You're over here now, sucker. I think he actually did want him, but, you know, you have to do what's best for you. And Le'Veon Bell knows all about that because he kind of did the same thing with his Steelers teammates. So you let them wow. down. And, you know, I can't blame him because he's a football player. You got a short career. You got to make your money, you know. But uh, I think it's a little hypocritical on his end to be going after Jamal Adams for wanting to leave. So that's all I have to say about that. Let's go really quickly. Other big news this week. If you uh, want to see the NFL this fall, there is some good news for you. Uh, the NFL PA and the uh, owners have come to an agreement on the season. They're coming up with some uh, COVID protocols to uh, hopefully put in place. Uh, they canceled the uh, preseason there will be no preseason games it'll be interesting to watch the bears quarterback competition now that there's no preseason um but yeah i think this is one of the few times the nfl pa they had a little bit of leverage with all their players coming out on twitter and not wanting to show up and they did a good job with it and they were able to get a deal done uh they handled it a lot better i think than the uh the mlb they made it quick and i i was wrong last week i said i think this could be a long dragged out process and they they got a deal done so good for them yeah, no, I was I was surprised when we talked about that. We're like, uh oh, like here we go again. But uh, no, I totally agree. And that's like that, that's like the goal when it comes to player negotiations and you know like collective bargaining and like all these things. As a fan, as someone who talks about sports, I don't want to talk about this. It shouldn't be an issue, you know, in a perfect world where in reality they you know it takes them a couple of days, a couple of weeks here and there. The players say we want to do this. We want to play, but we need X, Y, Z. The NFL says, all right, let's 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 see how fast we can get X, Y, Z put into place, which is, you know, testing, you know, contact tracing, all that stuff. Let's see how fast we can get a deal done so we can play football. And that's exactly what happened. I, I Honestly, I was very surprised. I did not think the NFL, who is notorious for going after their paper, uh, was going to – I didn't see them, you know, coming down to the players and – figuring it out but they certainly did quick and i honestly if i was if i was an nfl player and i'm not a fan i'm not a huge fan of roger goodell in general but i think he hit i you know i'm starting to have i'm starting to have some faith in the nfl um which was great which was great and you know we saw this whole thing with the marlins we're about to get to so but uh i really 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 hope to see the nfl come come august well i'm glad you brought up the marlins because it was reported today that I believe it was tw- 10 players? It was, I believe it was 8 players and eight, 2 coaches, so 10 people. 10 total. people on the Marlins tested positive for COVID, and they had to cancel their game tonight against Baltimore, I believe. And the Phillies also had to cancel their game against New York. Um, and this is kind of the big reason why this was a big deal. Obviously, you had a bunch of guys on a team test positive, which is a fear, but... Uh, apparently some of the Marlins players, they knew they had it, uh, and they'd been exposed to a couple of guys with it and they had a text chain and I believe it was Miguel Rojas, their shortstop, who's kind of like the uh, captain, I guess, of the Marlins. 
Uh, they said they decided they wanted to play. They played anyway, and apparently they talked to some of the Phillies. I believe it was Bryce Harper for them, and they, they knew about it, and they played anyway, and now there's a bunch of guys that were exposed to it, and this could be a problem because now they all have to get tested. We have games canceled, and when you're playing 60 games in 65 days, it's kind of hard to make thing games up, uh, and the MLB might have to resort to going to win percentages, but this could be an issue, and this is what I feared earlier, that the season might become derailed here, so this is either going to be a really big learning experience for the MLB and kind of a wake-up call, or a uh, a big warning shot that, like, hey, this is probably going to get worse now that we're going to have to start traveling from city to city. Yeah, no, it was interesting to hear... Um I don't remember who was talking about it. It might have been Manfred. Um, I think it was Manfred. who was saying, look, like, you know, we kind of expected to do it for there to be a breakout at some point, but it, it, it's we just hope it can be managed. You know, this is manageable. He's, I believe Manfred said it's not like the end of the world. And I did see Jeff Passan reported that there has been no talks of suspending the season thus far. So I guess... You know, they figured that it was going to happen. And honestly, in hindsight, I don't really see how any of us didn't really see this coming, considering when you look at the NBA, NHL, and even the MLS, with the three, with two of the three leagues that are active that went into the bubble. They went into the bubble. They said, hey, everyone comes here, no one leaves. And that, that, that makes perfect sense. I mean, that's what we do, you know, at home. You know, I mean, I live in the bubble with my parents and my siblings, whereas the MLB was like, yeah, we're just going to travel across the country, which is like, really? And I guess I that's what happens when you do that, because you had the outbreak, and that's where it's like, you know, should the Marlins have have played their game can, knowing that someone was sick and having and people break out? And The answer to I that is absolutely not. Um, and, and, you know, this is where I, as much as I, I have criticized Rob Manfred, this is something that's not his fault because you talked about the bubble. I was talking to someone about this this morning. You can't have a bubble with the MLB. It's just not possible because there's no way you can station everyone in one city because there's over 40 people per team plus the taxi squads and the stadiums are huge. Uh, you'd have to build a big, big stadium there. You'd no way you could get all the games in. A bubble is not possible. So you have to do it city by city, and you're going to have to travel. Therefore, it's on every player and a person in that organization to make sure they're taking the right precautions. And, uh, you know, because when they're going to and from the ballpark, you don't know what you're doing. You have to make sure you're being responsible. And the MLB, they have a packet on protocols that I guess the Marlins were not aware of because that game should not have been played and those guys should have been in quarantine quicker. And so, you know, we might have to be, we might be seeing a situation now where we're going to have extra precautions such as first basemen uh, wearing masks. Or yeah. so on and so forth. And I saw, saw Anthony Rizzo handing out the hand sanitizer at first base. Oh, I thought no, that was kind yeah. of funny. But, um, you know, I think anything to keep the season going, I'm all for extra precautions. Because if it gets to the point where, God forbid, a player gets hospitalized from this and it gets, like, serious, yeah. the whole thing's getting shut down. Or if there's just not enough people to play, then it's going to get shut down, too. Now, luckily, we have all these taxi squads. So, you know, the the roster will be able to refill with a bunch of triple uh triple A level guys pretty quickly, but um, you know, it's it's already it's not not a great look cuz there's been a bunch of guys that have tested positive. I know Rick Renteria for the White Sox, uh he was not going to manage 
the the first game of the series against Cleveland because he woke up with symptoms and he had to go to the hospital. So if he tested positive and he was exposed next to guys on that team uh, in the dugout, uh, who knows what could happen there. So uh, this is definitely something to keep an eye on for the MLB. Yeah, no, and it's going to be, I mean, there's another, I guess it's like another factor when it comes to, like, team chemistry, um, and, I mean, you kind of saw with, you know, Lou Williams breaking the bubble to go oh. to a strip club oh, in, I got in, some thoughts in, in on Georgia, that. but it's like, it's like, hey, man, unless you want your team to be made up of a bunch of dudes who are playing AAA, like, you got to hold each other accountable, mm-hmm. because, like you said, there is no bubble, the only bubble uh, quote unquote bubble is the players like holding each other accountable to you know not go to crowded areas and such. Yeah. And obviously, I'm not saying that like the Marlins were going to you know nightclubs or something like that. It could have been you know they went to a grocery store by their their family some food or something like that, and then they just ran into someone and got coronavirus. And so you know you never really know where you get it from. But it's like, hey man, like you got to keep your guys around unless. It, like, like I know the Cubs are smacking around the Reds eight to three right now, and I believe Mike Mustakas is not playing because he has coronavirus. Yep. Last I heard, um, yep. and that's just where it's like that's just a huge blow. I, you got um, Juan Soto for the Reds. I mean, a fourteen day quarantine in a sixty game season that's like what a quarter of the games basically. So you know you can't you can't be missing that time, especially but, if you um, expose a bunch of your teammates. Then all of a sudden, yeah. half your starting rotation could be out for 14 days, which, like you said, that's a lot of time in a 60-game season to be missing. Uh, and your your playoff chances could be over, or even worse, the whole league could get over. Yeah, and that's exactly. why I'm glad you brought up Lou Williams, because I want to pivot to this really quick. I saw, for those of you who don't know, Lou Williams got permission to leave the bubble, and then he was caught uh, at a strip club, Magic City, in Atlanta. Apparently he was ordering chicken wings there. They don't have any of the extracurriculars going on right now. But um, he has to now go into quarantine back in the bubble. And I saw a lot of people uh, on the on these NBA shows like The Jump and ESPN say, oh, it's no big deal. If it was like a McDonald's or something, you wouldn't care. You know, let the man go out and eat. It is a big deal. First off, there was no one that had tested positive in that NBA bubble. Like, the bubble was secure for now. There was no one tested positive. He had to leave the bubble for a personal reason. I think it was a funeral. Fine. If you have to leave the bubble, whatever. But if you're going to leave the bubble, you got to make sure you're making a ton of extra precautions. And I think just going out, the optics of one, you're going to a strip club to get wings. I do not care how good the wings are. That is bad optics. And you're probably putting yourself at risk going out like that in a restaurant when you have, like, the whole league's at stake. You know, for an average person, it's, like, no big deal. All right, you have to go out to eat. Fine. But, you know, I think when you're putting the whole team in jeopardy and now you're going to be out out with, like, the the, the Clippers are going to be missing. They're vying for a championship now, and they're going to have to miss uh, one of their better players, I think the sixth man coming off the bench and Lou Williams. That That is a big deal. So I'm sick of all these people like, oh, you know, it's no big deal. He's, 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 like, yeah, it kind of is because you have a league that's invested a lot of money and you're trying to make this thing happen, and you're out going get getting your strip club chicken wings. And I, I you know... How good can the food at a strip club be anyway? Or do you feel the need to go out like that? I did hear the wings are very good. That's what everyone says. I I did see a picture of them. They look phenomenal. He has the wings named after him on the menu, too. 
There's Lou Williams. Huh? Lou Williams has a wing on the menu named after him. He's famous now. And, like, like he's, you know, he's going to miss um, some of the seeding games, which I guess, like, don't really matter. Cause no, they don't. They're gonna make but, no, I totally agree. I mean, I just think, like, I don't know. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when you're, and, and this is, you know, obviously, the, like we, and I've said that before, the NBA, ML, NBA bubble looks absolutely amazing. I would do it for free. But it's kind of like, you know, you all, everyone's got these rules around you. And you're all in this together. You all got to make it work. And it, like you said, it's working. No cases. And then you have, like, the one guy who, like, kind of gets some leeway and then takes it too far. And it's kind of just like, like, really, man? Like, like we're all, we all got the same, we all got, we all got the same stuff going on. Like, you can't, you can't just leave. Like, like you said, the optics are terrible. And that's where it's like, you know, it's on the Clippers to come together and say, hey, man, like, we can't have that. I know. Jack Harlow, the rapper, put on his Instagram story of, you know, the, him and Lou Williams in a dark, dimly lit room with a lot of lights and they're wearing wristbands with plastic cups. So you can uh, infer what they were doing in that environment. Um, and then, of course, he said, oh, it's an old picture. But it's like, come on, like, really? That's not, that's just so unprofessional. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, it's kind of letting your teammates down. But uh, yeah, that's all I gotta say. It, it's a risk reward. You gotta you gotta weigh the two, and I think you know, they not is not a smart decision on his part. Um, finally, let's go to this. We'll go back to the MLB. The uh, big news that broke uh, beginning of last week, I believe, Mookie Betts, who had not played a game with the Dodgers yet, got over a three million dollar uh, deal done with the Dodgers, which. It's a lot, because unlike the Mahomes deal where we're talking over half a, a billion dollars, this is all guaranteed. So it's a lot of money. I think he's the second highest player now behind Mike Trout. Um, and good for him. He deserves it. He's an excellent player. Which was, but What I thought was interesting, two things, is that you know during a time where a lot of these owners are like, oh, we're going to be losing uh, money in biblical proportions. Cough, cough, Tom Ricketts. And all these uh, teams are going to be, you know, they're not making a whole lot of money this year that the Dodgers had the money to go out and spend $300 million on a guy uh, like Mookie Betts. Uh, and I, the second thought I had was, you know, I think uh, Chris Bryant is watching this and Scott, more specifically Scott Boris and licking his lips going like, huh, that's where we're going to probably set the bar for our guy. It's going to be tough for the Cubs. I mean, it was already going to be tough for the Cubs to re-sign him, and I think that Chris Bryant probably does want to stay in Chicago, but it's going to be yeah. hard for them to re-sign him now, especially when you got Mookie Betts getting that much money, pandemic or not, and now uh, Scott Boris is going to be setting the bar kind of high for a uh, Chris Bryant or maybe even a Javi Baez. Yeah, no, that, that one was like, I mean, seeing that, like, you know, I'm like, like, are the Dodgers selling, like, are they, are they pulling a Breaking Bad? Are they selling meth out their back door? Like, <laughs> how are they getting all this money during a pandemic? But, hey, I mean, the MLB, no salary cap, and they're in LA after all. So, you know, I guess, I guess that answers that question. But, yeah, I mean, honestly, though, the first thing I saw from this, because it's, it's kind of like Patrick Mahomes, you already alluded to that, big bank breakers for lots of years. 10 years for Patrick Holmes. Mookie Betts is going to be a Dodger until he's 40. Yeah. Uh, he's he's not like he's not like some Juan Soto 21-year-old. The dude's 27. And, and, and that's where I'm like, 
I'm like, hey, like, I, of course, it, it, and if you're a Red Sox fan, you got to be kicking yourself. Because he's an, a great locker room guy. He's a great dude off the field. He's a fantastic player. He immediately brightens up a ball club uh, on the inside and out. And so, you know, you obviously you want to you get him under contract for as long as you can. Man, like, that's all. That's a long time. Yeah, uh, twelve year, three hundred sixty five million dollars. That's all yeah. guaranteed. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, good for him. But like I said, I know a lot of I have a, follow a lot of prominent you know MLB analysts and such, and a lot of commentators. A lot of them are Red Sox fans. Just saying, man, watching him play one game, which I'll probably end up experiencing a little bit when Chris Bryant's playing for like the, the Diamondbacks or some crap. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, it is gonna set the tone. But the Dodgers couldn't. I, I mean, and, and, and that's where it's like, if the Dodgers do not win the World Series this year, they should just pack it up because they're never gonna. If they're not gonna win it this year, they're never gonna win. They were absolutely fantastic last year. They couldn't get it done, and then they got, and then they added Mookie Betts. So I don't know. I don't know what the point is if they, if they can't if they can't get this done. And Clayton Kershaw has some other. You know, fold like a tent in the postseason well, or something like that. I'll tell you, it's going to be tough for them because that rotation is all of a sudden thinned out. They traded Kenton Maeda. They lost Ryu. Kershaw got hurt to open the season. David Price opted out. All of a sudden, that starting rotation looks mighty thin. So I think in the short term, these next couple of years, it's going to be nice to have bets under contract. And, you know, you, you still got some prospects. The Dodgers have been able to do... A really nice. They they've done a really nice job where they've been able to keep a competitive team on the field while still somehow having a stocked farm system. They got Gavin Lux coming up, uh, who is pretty good. Um, so they still have some prospects down there where I think those should be okay for quite some time. Now the back end of that contract for Mookie is probably gonna hurt when you're paying him all yeah. that money and you know he's not the player he once was now. But for the first five years or so, I think. He's worth it every penny, and like you said, he's a good clubhouse guy to have as well. So um, that'll be a good team. This year's going to be a little tough because it's a very it's gonna, it's a very fluky season, and you're seeing a lot of these teams that you didn't think would be any good, and all of a sudden they're playing pretty well. I know the Marlins. I think they split their series with the um, the Phillies. I think it was so. Like yeah, you know, yeah, no, the, yeah, I mean the Marlins, Orioles, and Tigers are all two and one. Yeah, at least before today, before today's game. Go so. figure. until after we released our last podcast. And I I cannot stand this rule. I think it stinks. For starters, 
I, you know, I can understand for this year maybe why they're actually not even because it seems like a throw-in thing where they're like, because it came out the day before the seed opening day, where like, yeah, you know, all of a sudden sixteen teams, what the hell? Let's 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 try it. And I'll tell you what's going to happen. This was done because the owners they want more money, they want more playing off revenue. They're going to get all the TV money uh, to like uh, regain some of the money they have lost financially this season. What's going to happen now is the players are going to get more money from it. The owners are going to get more money from it. They're going to see, hmm, you know, we're making a lot of money from this. That's not going to go back. This 16-team playoff is here to stay. And I think a lot of people, you know, they misinterpret quality for quantity. I'm all for postseason baseball, but that's because part of the nice thing of playing 162 games is because it's a grind. It means something when you get to the playoffs, you're able to slug it out and get that first place finish in the division or get one of those wild card games. Now it's going to be like, what's the point of playing 162 games if half the league's making it? You know, do you really want to see the... Uh, you know, the Tigers sneak in and play the Rays in the first round of the playoffs. No, no one wants to watch that. It's going to be a boring game. It's going to be a disaster. Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be. I, I hate it. I honestly hate it, especially as a Sox fan. And my team has not made the playoffs in so long. And now we have a team these next couple of years that's going to be primed to do so. But now they're letting everyone into the party. So it's like all those years, you know. We were left out of the club. Now we have a team that's good enough, and now they're letting everyone in. So now the postseason didn't seem as cool, I guess, if that makes sense. So, sure. you know, I, I, I hate it. I'm a baseball purist, though. That's yeah. that's just me. I think, I think I understand why they're doing it. I mean, I don't know if they're going to do it next year. I think. Yeah, oh, they will. It is here to stay. I hope. I, I hope they don't. Um, but yeah, I mean, one thing, when I first saw this, I thought, you know what, okay, that's fine. But I, I was under the interpretation that they were just going to expand, like, like the wild card. and Because now that it's it's best to have three for the first round, look, if you, if you want to let in other teams and do a one-game playoff like the wild card, that's fine. I, I think that would be, a, in my opinion... That would be a lot better just because, you know what, we're going to give other teams a chance because I can understand if it's like, you know, 30, you, you, two teams get 32 wins and it comes down to, you know, a tiebreaker and all of a sudden you're, you know, you're not making it because the season was so short and there wasn't enough to like spread out the teams. Um, and that, that would be frustrating to miss the playoffs because that, so hey, let in those teams that were good enough to, you know, make the run, but they weren't quite, they miss out on some tiebreaker. They get one game, you know, ball don't lie kind of, kind of thing. But now that it's two of three, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I think they are kind of might be going for that um, NHL type feel where it's like, look, like this is, this season is going to be weird as it is. It's going to, you know, I mean, we're four games in. It already feels kind of odd with all of the, you know, right. extremities that are going around. Let's just kind of spice it up a little bit, put more teams in the playoffs, see what happens, trying to get some, you know, fans more into it. You know, like you said, playoff baseball just hits different than regular baseball. But I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Dimin- diminishes the playoffs in general, and I, I don't I don't hope to see it. Um, like, the teams that would have been added last year in the National League, you have the Diamondbacks getting in, you have the Cubs getting in, and you have the Mets getting in. So, and then in the American League, the teams that we added, the Indians would have gotten in. 
And the ooh, it would have been pretty close. The Red Sox would have snuck in as well. I don't know. It's just yeah, part of the intrigue. An interesting little statistic for you, that if the, if, if the MLB had always done 16 teams for the past, I, I, I don't remember, I think it was the past like 50 years, if they had always done 16 teams make the playoffs, every single year for the past 50 years, there would have been one team below 500 that would have made the playoffs. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's like, I mean, you love an underdog story, but it's like, all right, like I don't actually need to see that happen. An underdog story is the wild card team that actually deserve to like make the wild card, and then they just beat the number one seed. I don't need to see some mediocre team slide in there, kind of deal. Right, and like if you look at the uh, the NBA, those first round games are horrible. No yeah. one likes those first round games. Now, I feel like the MLB is a little closer to the NHL where a team can get in and anything can happen but you might have a bad team that gets lucky that shouldn't even be in there and it's going to mess the, I don't know I'm, I'm not a fan I, I hate the whole thing they're ruining a good game I think that, I, ha- I hated the I hated the DH rule too when they changed that um, well I'll say we're four games in and I think the DH rule in the, in the National League is one of the best things baseball's ever done it just makes everything so much simpler it just makes everything so much more enjoyable. I can't like I. Oh my lord! I, John. I mean John. Just tonight, John Lester had, you know, five five no hit innings, and, and you know you go with that. You know, oh they're gonna walk the guy to bring up the pitcher spot, so they gotta put in the pinch hitter because the pitch count's coming out. It's like, no, literally, I understand there's some strategy involved, but no one wants to see. John Lester hit the baseball. No one wants to see Darvish hit the... No, no, yes. see, you okay. like it's... it because you are a fan of a team in the AL, and you've always had the DH. You no. don't actually have to Listen. watch your team Listen. With, Wrong. This, with, with, with terrible Hold pitchers up. coming up. I mean, you get, you get you know, your seven-hitter gets on, then your eight-hitter gets on. Oh, my goodness, we got guys on. Yeah. Like, one out, two outs. Oh, now we got the pitcher Listen. coming up who's going to stand there take his three strikes, walk back to the dugout so he can get ready to... I am. I was at a Crosstown game last year. Cubs-White Sox. Alright? We were down by a couple runs because Wilson Contreras had a grand slam. We had the, we loaded the bases. And then Lucas Giolito came up to the plate flailing and killed the rally. And it was frustrating. I can understand that. But baseball, as we've said so many times... You know, it does. It's not fun. These players aren't promotable. I'll tell you what is fun. It's watching pitchers come up there who rake. You know, we all remember Bartolo Colon. It's fun. Rich Hill on the no, base with no, the pitcher's jacket. Madison Bumgardner hitting a home run off of uh, Clayton Kershaw. That's cool. And plus, the guys that stink. We as fan, me as a fan, I can relate to them. They, they're they're mediocre up there. You see a little bit of yourself. And that John Lester going up there, flailing at the changeup. You know, yeah, I, I think it's fun. I am all for the pitcher hitting, and I like the strategy aspect of it too. I think the chess match that goes on with the managers is nice. I, I I'm all for it. Like, hey, do we keep in the pitcher, or do we uh, do we pinch hit for him because we need a run here? I I like that no. aspect of it. Okay, so so you like pitchers who break? Why don't so you obviously you just want to see home runs? You want to see competitive at bats? Just put in the DH because, like you said, I mean. You get, what, like maybe 15 home runs from pitchers last year out of every single pitcher at bat? 
in the whole league? Listen, absolutely not. Listen, it's, there's no one wants to see that. It just gives it just gives the game a better feel because because the AL. I mean, the AL. When, whenever you see the World Series, whenever you see the World Series, you got the NL team playing at the AL ballpark. Oh, this is awesome. They get another hitter. What are they going to do? They get another guy that can go up to bat. You know, they can have, you know, the backup catcher catch. And, then, you know, oh, the AL team is playing NL. Oh, we're going to see some dude who's taken four at-bats in his entire career. I mean, last time he batted was his high, senior year of high school. Now he's going to come back in a major league sport. And, like, I mean, I, if I had a dollar for every time a pitcher stood up there, he took 90 seconds, and he just watched strike one, strike two, and maybe I'll throw in a swing to make it look like I tried on strike three. It's, it's, no, no one wants to see that. No one wants to hey, end the story. I want to see it. On April 9th, 2016, Alex Rodriguez hit a solo home run as a DH for the Yankees in an 8-4 to win. Nobody cares. Nobody remembers. But that same date, Madison Bumgarner hit a home run off Clayton Kershaw, and the MLB reposted every year on their site because it's cool. Bartolo Colon, how many times do you have to see that highlight? It's fun when the impossible happens. Yes, I get the mediocre, but, you know, I, I, I like it. It's fun. I think it's fun. We need more fun in baseball. It's not. It's really not. Hey. John Lester had his first home run of his career like two years ago. How long has that dude been in the league? What, like 10 yeah. years? And that was a fun moment, wasn't it? That was cool. You're like, oh my God, John Lester hit a home run. It wasn't fun watching him strike out like over 800 times. Ah, booey. Mark Burley hit a home run and that was cool. And you know what, yeah, Carlos? It's, like the one, it's, it's no, oh my gosh. You it's get like, guys like Carlos like, Zambrano, he's a fan favorite because he could rake. He's winning silver sluggers every other year. If he was just Carlos Zambrano, the pitcher, you remember him as some lunatic with a temper. But he raked, so fans love Zam, uh, Carlos Zambrano. No, see, see, this is like, this is like seeing, this is literally like seeing like a terrible kid, uh, in basketball, you know, make his three-pointer. Everyone goes crazy. It's super cool. Like you said, it gets posted on Twitter a bunch of years. But then, you're actually, if you actually watch the team every year, you got this guy who stinks, who can't do anything for his life. It's like you give him the ball. It's like, oh, might as well just turn it over already because he's not going to do anything interesting. You know, let's just give it up. Yeah, um, I bet. I bet you like the runner at that, second too for that, extra that, innings. DH is the is the best thing in the NL. It's the best decision MLB has made in a long time. Yeah, because now you story. finally have a place to put Kyle Schwarber. That, that's the only DH reason. This year. Huh? He is not DH this year. That is true, and I will say, as much as I make fun of Kyle Schwarber, I would rather have him as a fielder and left field than Eloy Jimenez. That guy has no idea. It doesn't even like he doesn't even have a general idea where the wall is. I don't think he even realizes there's a wall out there for how many times he's gotten injured in his short year and six game career. Yeah, he ran into the wall trying to catch a home run. He didn't even see it. He got concussed, so he's out now. It's horrible. He's been hurt like twice now because he's run into the wall. So as much as I knock Schwarber, I will say he's a better left fielder. Hey, they are good. It was a rough series. The Twins, it's an outlier. I ain't going to hold anything against that team. Yeah, it's the Bomber Squad. Runs or whatever they put up. 10 runs or whatever. All right. I think that'll wrap it up. 
we got more MLB on the way. I believe, what, the NBA starts in like yes. a week or something. Stay tuned. We will have, once all these stupid practice games are over and they have their extended regular season so we can watch the Magic, or the, yeah, the, uh, the Magic and the, the Magic Grizzlies get playoffs, yeah, eliminated. Uh, the Nets says the 16, yeah. The Suns file out of the bubble, yeah. Then we will have a serious talk on who we think will win the NBA Finals. But, um, you know, it's interesting. This is MLB season. I wouldn't put too much stock on our predictions because my Cincinnati Reds aren't looking too hot. This is my NL Central pick. I will say the Tampa Bay Rays look really good. Uh, they I, do look really good. Them and Oakland. strikeouts today. Yeah, that's a that's gonna be a good team. Oakland, who I had making the playoffs as a wild card, they also look very good. And now Houston, they're gonna be without Justin Verlander because he's out for the season with an elbow injury. So another development to watch there. Uh, but yeah, uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, hopefully, you come back next week. Make sure to yeah. subscribe to our YouTube page, Dorm Room Dispute Podcast, and uh, follow us on Twitter at Dorm Room Dispute. Uh, that's all I got. Thank you so much for listening, and have a wonderful rest of your week.